Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hello, listeners. Brad Kearns talking keto with another keto-dedicated podcast. Oh my goodness, keto is so hot today. It's everywhere. So many people talking about it. Uh, Some people misinterpreting it or talking nonsense. Uh, Some people gaining a greater understanding of the nuances, which is really important to discuss through uh, as people get more and more enthusiastic and we get more and more user experiences about it. Uh, I've personally been uh, modifying and adapting my approach over the past year and a half that I've been playing around with keto. Oh my gosh, I think it's coming up on two years actually. Um, so varying my caloric intake, my level of carb intake, uh, my devotion to strict nutritional ketosis and just uh, evaluating the various results. I had a great show with Dr. Tommy Wood that you can search the archives for, uh, just recently published. And he brought up some really compelling suggestions for me and my personal goals with keto that uh, obviously are relevant to all listeners. And also we talked about the possible uh, different decision-making parameters if you're trying to shed excess body fat or you have metabolic damage, uh, things like that. If you're coming into the game with uh, a more extreme level of carbohydrate dependency, maybe more insulin resistance. Um, a history of yo-yo dieting and the metabolic damage that's caused by that versus a person who's uh, lean, has good blood work, uh, is not needing to reduce excess body fat and is looking for um, longevity, peak performance goals, things like that, athletic success. So one of the things Tommy said to me that really resonated was I was reporting great success with keto I'm not hungry, I can fast for long periods of time, but of course my main objective here is to perform magnificent athletic feats for people to watch on YouTube, and also you know, promoting longevity. I'm no, no longer a serious competitive professional athlete, so I'm just trying to keep in shape as a 50-plus guy, have some fun out there, prevent injuries, do some good workouts, nothing crazy, but nice way to balance life and uh, increase everyday movement, all that stuff. And he said, dude, you need to eat more calories, period. You need to get more nutrition into your body because you're an old guy trying to do crazy stuff still, doing my sprinting and my high jumping and my speed golf and all those fun things. Um, And the centerpiece of his suggestion was that I start my day with a nutrient-dense green smoothie, macronutrient balanced with uh, some good sources of fat in there, such as primal fuel that's got the coconut milk solids, uh, a base of coconut milk or almond milk unsweetened, so you get some fat there, maybe even a couple tablespoons of MCT oil. Uh, So I'm getting the fat in there. Of course, I'm getting the protein from the scoop of straight whey protein or the primal fuel Uh, whey protein inside there, and then uh, a nice dose of plant matter produce uh, to get a concentrated uh, green smoothie in the morning. So I've transitioned into that type of strategy in recent months and gone away from the prolonged fast that I was practicing for uh, many months before that in the process of uh, maintaining nutritional ketosis. Uh, I feel like I have you know, woken up, I got an energy boost, I recover faster from workouts, uh, generally just 
guiding always by my appetite, but eating healthy, nutritious foods. So we got to make that distinctive point here that there's never any call for anyone, even the high calorie burning athlete, even the growing youth or whoever we're talking about, uh, lean and mean and working out all day. There's never any justification for consuming the nutrient deficient carbohydrates such as sweetened beverages, uh, all the energy products that are out there, the bars, gels, snack foods, uh, as well as the grain-based meals where you're getting huge doses of rice, cereal, pasta, bread products. Uh, these are simply uh, deficient in nutritional value and they spike insulin and they keep you trending in that uh, pattern of carbohydrate dependency rather than helping you progress toward the goal of becoming fat adapted. So when I talk about increased caloric intake, what's really happening is larger servings of vegetables, uh, making a better effort to consume nutrient-dense uh, high-fat meals, uh, more eggs, more uh, nuts and seeds, uh, you know, naturally raised grass-fed meats. I just got some bison from a listener that's uh, delicious and also getting the uh, regular doses of uh, Peter Coffee short ribs uh, shipped to me and just finding the best resources for the best quality meats and fish. Um, I'm becoming a professional at making these pesto scallops that are to die for. And so I prepare them uh, for uh, eager diners and everybody gives me mad props, even though I didn't find it in a recipe book. I just made it up. Well, my mom made up the pesto. She just uh, pureed uh, bay leaves and pine nuts. Pretty simple. Then we threw in some of that uh, Primal Kitchen extra virgin avocado oil. Delicious. I also squeezed some lemon in there, so we got a nice lemony flavor. And now I've been putting also sun-dried tomatoes in there. Um, seem like I'm putting sun-dried tomatoes in everything. Delicious. So it made this fantastic pesto sauce. And you cook the scallops very quickly. Uh, I like to heat up the pan first. So when you drop them into the uh, cast iron skillet, you get that sizzling sound. They get a little brown on the outside. You do not leave them in there very long. Remember, you can eat scallops raw at the sushi bar. So you don't have to cook them for a long time. You don't want to overcook them and get them tasting rubbery. Uh, so you get a little cooking. Try to flip them on the other side. Not totally necessary, but uh, they get nicely browned on one side. And then you throw them in the bowl with the pesto. Absolutely incredible. So generally, I'm looking at uh, not measuring anything, but uh, a significantly increased total caloric intake in the past few months and a corresponding increase in uh, my volume of workouts and also the intensity. So I'm training better. I think I needed that calorie boost uh, because of the nature of my goals and my body composition and all those things. Now, as we talked in more detail on the show with Tommy, if your goal is to drop excess body fat, the most direct route to get there, as we say all the time in the primal scene, is to uh, cut carbs, especially the refined carbohydrates, and minimize insulin production so that you can unlock the fatty acids from storage and burn those for energy and not be so inclined uh, to crave more carbohydrates at your next meal, transition away from carb dependency and progressing towards fat adapted. But Tommy made a good point uh, on this matter too, is that first you have to get metabolically healthy before you even consider a goal like reducing excess body fat or creating a caloric deficit in your diet. So if you try to uh, suddenly go keto and significantly reduce carbs or even suddenly uh, reduce calories in the name of reducing excess body fat, but you have some metabolic damage, you have some carbohydrate dependency, you have some uh, gut overgrowth, some problems with your gut microbiome, 
uh, you're going to run into problems and uh, it's predictive of, especially over the long term, failure to reduce excess body fat. So first you have to get healthy, no matter what that takes. And hey, it might mean consuming uh, a whole bunch of healthy, nutritious calories from the various aforementioned sources and not worrying about a caloric deficit, not worrying about dropping body fat until you've got your gut right, until you've cut out uh, the bad stuff and allow the good stuff to take hold. So that was kind of the first question on the list. I guess it was a fake question because it's a question I'm asking myself. Um, Dear Brad, should I fast in the morning or have green smoothies? Um, So the final answer to that, since I uh, told you about both sides of the coin here with my personal experience, is I'm also becoming more and more a fan of variability, flexibility, spontaneity, and an intuitive approach to this keto thing. Um, everything's so exciting right now. Everyone's so excited about it, talking about it so much. I went to KetoCon and sat through numerous wonderful presentations with their fast-paced presentation format of a strict 30 minutes. Don't exceed that, nor get gaudis, or you'll get kicked off the stage. Anyway, saw a bunch of presentations getting so deep into the nuances and the details uh, that I think sometimes it's healthy to take a step back and look at that big picture not stress or obsess too much about the macronutrient details, not stress or obsess too much about whatever values you're turning in, whether you're pricking your finger and looking at your blood or doing a breath test. Um, it's just about living in that keto zone, as Mark Sisson calls it, living a keto-friendly lifestyle and plugging in, as we made such an effort to in the Keto Reset Diet, to extend it beyond just the macronutrients and the food choices into proper exercise habits, proper sleep habits, and managing the various forms of stress in your life. And as detailed in the book, when you're sleeping poorly, when you're exercising in a chronic manner, and when you're overstressed from general life circumstances, all these are going to kind of trigger carbohydrate dependency instead of uh, becoming fat and keto adapted. Stress equals sugar cravings equals fat storage, those kind of things, especially lack of sleep, which to me seems like um, a pervasive problem in modern society, even among healthy folks where these screens are in our face after it gets dark in our environment And as soon as that happens, just want you guys to keep this in the back of your mind. As soon as a screen lights up when it's dark outside, you are interfering with the natural hormonal processes that have been calibrated uh, to your circadian rhythm, to the rising and setting of the sun uh, for millions of years of human evolution. And all of a sudden, uh, speaking in terms of the evolution timeline of two and a half million years, all of a sudden in the last hundred years, or especially in the last uh, maybe 15, 20 years when the personal devices have taken hold, all of a sudden we're violently interrupting the hormonal processes, especially the dim light melatonin onset that occurs when it gets dark in your area. The melatonin is that hormone that makes you feel sleepy, It's not just the sleep hormone. It has dozens of other critical functions on your health, metabolism, immune function. Uh, There's a couple great podcasts I heard where people went into a little bit more detail on that. I'm sure you can find more uh, information about melatonin, but it's a key hormone and it's what gets suppressed when you expose yourself to artificial light after dark. So, watching that Netflix, catching up on emails, uh, sending text messages, even a small screen will uh, send a message into your 
uh, SCN, your suprachiasmatic nucleus, uh, going through your eyeball into your brain and triggering the suppression of the prominent sleep hormone melatonin. And instead, in response to the uh, stimulation of the light and the uh, digital uh, programming that's on there that's exciting you, hopefully, or interesting you, uh, you're getting a stress hormone response. So the longer you expose yourself to light after dark, the more likely it is that you will uh, crave quick energy carbohydrates as part of that fight or flight uh, reaction and more likely that you will store those calories as fat rather than burn them just due to the dynamics, uh, again, explained in detail in the book of uh, messing with your sleep hormones and overriding the extremely powerful forces of the rising and setting of the sun. Uh, I'm sure you can uh, reference this yourself uh, when you wake up at sunrise, no matter what. Even if you're in a pretty darn dark room, if light gets in there, our bodies somehow sense that at sunrise. Uh, there's a fantastic book, one of my favorite books, and one that I've referenced so many times working on the primal uh, educational products, and that's called Lights Out, Sleep, Sugar, and Survival. And they go into the evolutionary background of how important uh, the light and dark cycles are and talk about how we have light receptors on our skin cells all over our entire body, not just our eyes. Yes, a blindfold helps if you're trying to take a nap in the afternoon or you don't have a completely dark sleeping environment that you have at night. Um, But uh, if you expose yourself to light on the rest of your body, your body will sense that there's light there and it'll inter- interrupt your uh, sleeping patterns and your melatonin release. And they reference um, studies in the book, one of them that's uh, memorable, as they said, a single beam of light flashed on the back of your knee is enough to suppress melatonin production. So if you're arguing with others in your house about whether or not to use night lights or whether they like to sleep with a little light on or sleep with the TV on or do all these modern things that we have somehow uh, integrated into habit, uh, there's a strong, strong argument for creating a totally dark environment for you to uh, facilitate sleep and stay asleep and get a good night's sleep. Okay, so we totally transitioned off into sleep, but that's great for a keto podcast. I'm happy about that. I'm not going to apologize. Okay, take it seriously, man. Sleep is everything. And now, uh, after answering that first question, um, Brad, should I fast or have a green smoothie in the morning? Hope you got some fun out of there. Go, Go listen to the other show with Dr. Tommy. And now we'll get into actual readers sending real questions. How's that sound? Next one, I'm an endurance athlete. I have a few specific questions regarding ketogenic diet and performance. Um, This is a high-level triathlon and distance running person eating 5,800 calories per day. This sounds like a lot, but it's correct. (laughs) Okay. This is the keto-style eating pattern of the last six months, going 65% fat, 25 to 30 protein, 5 to 10% carbs, meat, fish, eggs, lots of oils and fat seeds, nuts, green vegetables, occasionally a handful of berries. Wow. Sounds like a superstar. Nice approach here. Due to my high energy requirements, my carb intake is around 100 grams. Uh, that's more than the usual 25 to 50 recommended for keto. Is this acceptable? Uh, my initial reaction would be yes. There's a lot of adjustments that you can make for your activity level and some science suggesting that, uh, or, or some research uh, I've read where uh, a professional cyclist training for six, seven hours a day uh, can go up to 
200 grams of carbohydrate a day and still be in ketosis because that furnace is burning so hot. So it totally makes sense that your activity level will afford a bit higher intake of carbohydrate and still qualify you for the keto club. So back to the question, uh, my protein content is also very high, getting close to 400 grams whilst making up 25% of my energy needs. How much of an issue is this? Um, wow. So this person that's burning a ton of calories, we have some uh, argument that your protein needs are still only going to max out at a gram per pound of lean mass. I don't think you're a, um, a 400 pounder here or a 450 pound person. So that would suggest that you're consuming uh, vastly more protein than you might need, even for a super high activity level. Um, you didn't say how you're burning 5,800 5, calories a day. Oh, high level triathlon distance runner. So, okay, if you're training for hours and hours and you're burning that many calories, it's likely that you might want to get more of your calories from nutritious natural fat sources and not make that effort to get such an extreme amount of protein, 400 grams. Um, that's what they're saying with bodybuilders, uh, high-level performers going in the endurance scene, that your body just doesn't need that much protein. Because one of the reasons, uh, interestingly enough, is that as you... Uh, become more athletic, you become more efficient with the protein that you do consume. You're better able to assimilate it and utilize it. You don't break down as much protein as maybe a casual exerciser would or a biggest loser participant who's uh, meant to slug up these mountains with no uh, prior training and they're just depleting the heck out of their body every single day. So that's one comment there. Um, but all these things, if you're talking about slashing your protein intake, because some podcast hosts suggested it. These are things that we want to test out in real life, cut back a little bit, see what happens. Uh, the the um, information about the dangers of excess protein consumption and overstimulating those growth factors of IGF-1 and mTOR have been uh, discussed at length in the book and also on the videos in the Keto Reset course. So, you know, bone up on that. And on the flip side... Um, the danger or the risk of becoming protein deficient is a lot lower than is commonly believed. Uh, I loved Chris Kresser's soundbite on this matter. I think it was on the show that he did with Mark, maybe on one of his other shows, but he said, if you're getting protein deficient, you're going to feel like crap and you're going to have strong cravings for protein. And so this is how the body protects against this very, very serious matter of becoming protein deficient and then having to go and catabolize lean muscle tissue to meet your daily protein needs, which you will, by the way. So when you become protein deficient in the diet, you might notice yourself becoming emaciated in a bad way, not in a cool way uh, for the model runway or whatever. You'll just feel like crap. You'll have poor energy, um, maybe some other uh, bad symptoms. Isn't hair loss one of those that I read when you come protein deficient? So it's believed that very few people are protein deficient. It's believed that it's pretty easy to get to your protein requirements, whether you're a crazy vegan, hardcore vegan, uh, vegetarian, hardcore keto person, hardcore primal person. We're all going to get that basic, um, we quote uh, from a lot of experts saying that 0.7 grams per pound of lean mass is about your ideal intake level. So if you're hitting 400 grams, that could be an issue with uh, wildly excessive protein consumption. 
um, the question continues, and this is an interesting guy, anyone who's burning 5,800 calories, counting the calories they burned writing this long question, I want to finish up. So uh, he's going heavy early morning cardio, which for years he's done fasted, and then an additional midday session, which tends to be strength-focused. Since going keto, I felt far less hungry during the day, especially in the morning, um, and I take on my first calories in the afternoon. Uh, So most of my food's coming in the afternoon and evening. Um, What about your advice of timing my nutrition in order to optimize my performance? Is it likely to be impaired in any way because of the meal timing of going in the afternoon and the evening? Um, I would say, just like I talked about with my consultation with Dr. Tommy Wood, that if you're burning that much energy and training that hard, um, I don't see the need to extend out into the afternoon before you consume your first calories. Tommy made another interesting point where we're uh, talking these highly touted benefits of fasting, where you get uh, better autophagy and apoptosis. Autophagy is the natural cellular detoxification process, cleaning up damaged cellular material, recycling it, becoming more efficient with your metabolic function because you're fasted and when your body works more efficiently. Uh, apoptosis is the programmed death of dysfunctional cells, precancerous cells, things like that. So you get that happening at a heightened uh, level when you're fasting as well. But Tommy said, when you're training hard and you're challenging your cells with uh, exercise demand, you're giving that same hormetic stress stimulation to your cells as you are when you're fasted and you're not feeding your cells uh, sufficient energy or you're underfeeding them and forcing them to work more efficiently. So in other words, you probably don't need to get as hardcore into fasting if you're training really hard. And there possibly could be some drawbacks, and I will admit to uh, feeling great during keto, but also over uh, many months' time, also noticing that my total workout output had declined a significant amount. So I was kind of taking longer to recover from my high-intensity sessions and maybe not feeling as generally energetic to pop up and go for a 25-minute run uh, most mornings. Maybe I was skipping more, uh, maybe curtailing my strength training sessions a little sooner. Um, And you're talking to or you're listening to a crazy guy here where everything I do is completely intuitive. I don't have distinct goals. I'm not part of any regimented program like a CrossFit club or a running club. So I'm very much training by feel and seeing what happens and taking what my body gives me each day and nothing more and nothing less. So uh, I'm a good case study, I guess, because I'm, you know, it's kind of what you would call uh, natural motivation instead of forcing anything to happen, because I spent plenty of years pushing my body very hard with these distinct uh, competitive goals of the big race coming on September 8th or June 4th, and you know the distances, and you're applying these workouts directly to that goal. So I've already been there and done that, and now I'm just out there trying to uh, optimize my decision-making process by not allowing any impure influences into the picture. Um, So that's the case study there where I just kind of noticed a little bit of decline in energy uh, and perhaps motivation as a consequence too uh, due to um, my minimal caloric intake. That's not to say that this is going to happen to everybody. Uh, Brian, who's listening to this show, I guarantee you because he's the one mastering it and putting it into final audio form, Brian McAndrew, go check him out on ketoreset.com. His success story is crazy. It went from fat chicken face to rip city in your face with um, 
uh, a great story there. Uh, but he's extremely devoted to keto for quite some time now, probably coming on a couple of years, huh, Brian? And uh, able to do uh, very ambitious uh, powerlifting workouts and also some cardio in there and making it work really well for him. So I'm just making that personal observation that getting more nutrition into my body has benefited my, my exercise output. And these are things, especially from uh, the writer of this question, um, I'm sorry, I didn't get the name transferred over from, we got various files going and trying to organize uh, the Q&A for Primal Endurance too. But when you're training that hard, um, you might want to think about dialing back that protein to finish off, uh, adding more natural nutritious fats and not worrying about uh, a fasting period. Okay, long answers. That's my specialty here. Someday I'll try to do a super rapid fire show and hit 50 questions instead of five, but I'm really focused on having all these answers be relevant to the broad audience. So if you're going to write me about um, your toenails and your blisters and things like that, um, that's kind of uh, not appropriate for the show. So write stuff that's um, really compelling to a bunch of listeners. That's the best kind of questions. Here's another one. A month or so, I tried to go keto less than 50 grams a day. It felt great for studying and day-to-day cognition, but I found that during hot yoga classes, I got lightheaded and felt like passing out almost every time. Um, What do you think? Is this an electrolyte issue, or maybe I need more carbs due to my age and my activity level? And this question comes from my buddy Kajik in Auburn, California, great athlete at Placer High School, um, still teenager, uh, what, 19 probably, so... I wrote him back a thoughtful answer that said, yeah, you know, at your age, your ability, your athletic ability level, your output, you probably don't need to sweat dropping those carbs down to 50 grams a day. And that incident in hot yoga is not, not something that we want to repeat, uh, getting lightheaded and felt like passing out, not at one class, but at more than one class, it sounds like. So uh, one of the problems could be with that sodium balance that's talked about extensively in uh, the Keto Reset Mastery course as well as in the book and the need to uh, increase your intake of certain key uh, minerals and electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium being the main three. Uh, We put out some numbers for you in consultation with uh, folks like Luis Villasenor of ketogains.com. Huge shout out to him and his amazing contribution to the book. Um, We'll get him on video someday, Uh, but he's in the background as one of my favorite resources because he's been doing this stuff for 16, 17 years. He's been doing keto and bodybuilding and powerlifting. So um, the case study of someone doing it for many, many years, I think is going to trump, you know, these uh, manufactured scientific studies that last for six weeks and they're using uh, people who are not fat adapted out of the gate. And so they get questionable results because it does take a while for things to kick in and your, your new metabolic machinery to kick in. So whatever Luis says, I think you should pay attention and listen, go check out ketogains.com. A lot of great resources on that site. Uh, But anyway, he makes a strong argument that um, this sodium imbalance caused by the uh, reduction in fluid retention and inflammation in cells throughout the body when you go keto, A, because you're eliminating uh, objectionable foods that promote inflammation, and B, because you're just not retaining as much water uh, because you're not uh, consuming as many carbohydrates, this uh, shifts you into a new um, a new scene where you have to make a concerted effort to add sodium to your diet 
right? Because you're not retaining as much fluid. You're not retaining as much sodium uh, in conjunction with the fluid because we always try to maintain that sodium balance. Very dangerous. Uh, You know about hyponatremia and so forth. So our body does a good job regulating sodium balance. Our kidneys are constantly working to keep that perfect balance. But if all of a sudden you're less bloated, less inflamed, you're going to have to throw sodium back into your diet. Uh, five grams a day, I believe Dr. D'Agostino recommended. And with the magnesium and potassium, uh, 400 uh, milligrams of uh, magnesium and 1,000 of potassium. Um, don't, uh, don't go life or death with me off the cuff here. Uh, look it up in the book. I think it's in the um, appendix for uh, troubleshooting and getting into details. Um, but a concerted effort to eat more uh, mineral, electrolyte-rich foods, but especially getting some of that quality salt. One brand is called Real Salt that L. Russ told me about. You can find that on Amazon.com if you want. Or, you know, the Himalayan pink salt is lauded as having something like 84 different uh, minerals and agents in there, not just the iodized sodium, which is a uh, uh, you know, a vastly inferior choice. You want to get all those minerals and electrolytes together, uh, taking a, a real natural salt product. Okay, how's that one? Um, thanks, Kajik, for writing in. And how cool that a teenager is interested in this stuff, you know? Interesting. All right. A proposed part of the keto plan is fat-burning exercise at 180 minus age, right? This seems like a rather high intensity compared to The old move frequently at a slow pace where you guys talked about 55% of max heart rate. Uh, So wouldn't this cause a cortisol spike if you're going up to 180 minus age? Am I misinterpreting the exercise suggestion in the 21-day transformation comes the question. Um, Yes, you are. Because when we used to talk about percentage of max heart rate before we switched to the simplified 180 minus age, we conveyed this this range of 55% to 75% of max heart rate was designated as an aerobic workout. And now we say that anything uh, 180 minus age or below is an effective aerobic training session. There's no lower limit to the effective aerobic heart rate uh, training session. And this comes from the great work, the great message from Dr. Phil Maffetone. Uh, He is also featured extensively in both the Keto Reset Mastery course and the Primal Endurance Mastery course. Uh, But Phil says that any form of movement is a good aerobic session. You're still working on your aerobic energy-producing enzymes when you're walking down the street. So if you're a marathoner or a triathlete and you think walking's stupid and you refuse to walk with your your boyfriend because he's not an athlete and you are, uh, note that a walk or anything comfortably paced under 180 minus age, including well under 180 minus age, is an excellent aerobic training session. So we did away with the lower limit, and then we uh, emphasized this upper limit because a lot of different things start to happen when you get over that magic number of 180 minus age in beats per minute heart rate. What happens is you uh, you hit your maximum fat burning ability at 180 minus age. So you're burning more fat calories per minute at 180 minus age. If you speed up your pace, you burn more total calories, of course, because the faster you go, the more calories you burn, correct? But what happens is you start to recruit an increasing percentage of glucose and you drop down from that maximum fat burning rate that occurs at or around 180 minus age for most people. That's the Maffetone formula that's highly respected. 
Um, so look, as the example I always give, um, 180 minus 50, if you call me 50, I'm actually 52, but it's easier to subtract. So I get to that magic number of 130 heartbeats per minute. Anything over 130, it still feels totally comfortable for me. It's no problem to go and hold 140, 142, 145, but I'm burning more glucose. I'm stimulating a little bit of stress hormone production. I'm getting a little bit of uh, lactic acid waste products in the muscles, and I'm compromising the intended benefit of the workout, which is to have a low-stress fat-burning session that emphasizes fat burning, de-emphasizes glucose burning, and helps contribute to my goals of building aerobic fitness, the ability to uh, burn fat successfully even as you uh, increase speed in your your workout or your race uh, without stimulating those anaerobic energy-producing pathways. That's an entirely different workout goal. And when you're going hard, you should go short, go hard and go home. So short duration workout, high intensity, taking it up higher than 142 or 147, which is you know really not hard enough to stimulate a big fitness improvement at the anaerobic side. And that's why we call it the black hole, that training zone that's above 180 minus age. So it's too difficult to be uh, considered a true fat burning session, but it's not difficult enough to stimulate those dramatic improvements in fitness that we get from throwing in those high-intensity workouts now and then. So 180 minus age is the magic number. Anything below that works great. And so many endurance athletes complain that they're going too slow at 180 minus age. But when we compare to, let's say, the training regimen of an elite athlete, where a lot of their work is done well below their aerobic maximum, and because they're so fit, it looks like a pretty impressive run at six-minute mile pace. It's not a walk like most people are relegated to when they're dropping down 10 or 20 beats below their aerobic maximum. So it's all relative to you, and it's okay to do comfortable, gentle workouts. All right. Here's another question. Uh, my hubby and I are walking our way through the Keto Reset book, and I have a question. He works nights, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Whew. Sleep's challenging for him. He eats from late afternoon throughout the night. Do you have any recommendations for night shifters? Yeah, um, see if you can uh, eventually progress to um, a day shift. I mean, it's just tough. It's just tough on the human, and it's a severe health risk. Um, There are certain studies that have referenced this. I believe the nurse's health study was one because so many nurses are uh, obligated to work nights. Um, but, you know, there's mortality risk increases, uh, increased risks of obesity, uh, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, because our body is calibrated to uh, crave sugar and store fat when we uh, interrupt the uh, connection with the circadian rhythm. So uh, this is detailed and lights out sleep, sugar, and survival. Maybe if you get that book, you'll be highly incentivized to get off that night shift. Like Rudy Fontaine in Auburn, the world's greatest nurse, working the night shift for a long time, same with his wife, and now they're both on day shift after putting in their two decades of incredible service in the nursing profession, um, hopefully enjoying a health boost accordingly. All right. Um, and look at, look at me. I wrote a nice, uh, thoughtful email back, and we're so happy with the popularity of the Keto Reset, especially the Facebook group that's now at 23,000 people. Um, so it's very, very difficult to, um, you know, to reach out in the manner that you would most appreciate with a thoughtful personal response. Lindsay Taylor has been doing a fantastic job uh, over there 
on the Facebook group along with the other moderators, Michael and Layla. And we're trying really hard to keep up and keep connected with you guys and clarify your questions. Um, But at a certain point, I'm going to have to uh, strongly recommend that you sign up for the Keto Reset Mastery course. Hey, a commercial during the show. Um, It's only 147 bucks. It seems like a lot for a digital course, but there's so much content there. And there was such a massive effort to travel around and interview the world's leading experts and put all this content together in a manageable bite-sized form with Brian McAndrew doing such a great job editing the videos and uh, helping you learn in a manner that's um, you know going to keep you focused and not overwhelmed. So if you get onto the portal, you have lifetime access to the portal, it's really everything you need to succeed. And if you have a particular concerns or interests, like the topic of sleep, you can zero in right in there to uh, to get that covered with uh, an assortment of videos on those important topics. Or I mentioned Maffetone here in the course of this show, and you can go right to his archives and see all the videos that he talks about with uh, the aerobic training and the importance of that. So uh, with my answer to the night working person, um, as I mentioned earlier in this show, it's really critical to get an absolute total darkness environment. So if you're sleeping during the daylight hours, you're going to have to do some work, man. You're going to have to go over to Home Depot. They do have some nice blackout curtains that, um, that I use, but I also get the, uh, the Velcro sticky material and have a su- couple strips going down the wall and then a couple strips stapled to uh, the curtains so that I can even close off the sides <laughs> and try to get as dark as possible. I'm very serious about this stuff. I think it's really, really important to your health and try to get that uh, sanctuary as dark as possible. I mean, I wouldn't even go so far as to say, um, set up a bed or something in a walk-in closet so there's no windows, because of course, windows is letting all the light in. It's nice for most people, but if you're working night shifts, I think you need to go get a cocoon somewhere, a sleep chamber, and close that thing off and get some real sleep, uh, because when we're sleep-deprived, we're walking around having that challenge of working night shift, I, one thing's for sure, you're going to sleep hard when you do go to sleep. So get into the dark and make it absolutely super duper dark. Get the noise canceling machine so there's no disruptions. I have a beautiful app on my iPhone um, called Rainmaker Pro. And I don't know, it's like three bucks or something. And it has like maybe 50 different types of rainfall and you can get them going pretty loud. Ooh, should I demonstrate? How about that? So like when I'm on an airplane and trying to get a little a little sleep, because every time I uh, get onto an airplane, I immediately try to go to sleep because jet travel is stressful. It stimulates a cortisol spike no matter what. So if I can manage that with sleep, that's my favorite thing to do on an airplane. Um, so I turn on the rainfall and it's also become a trigger to my brain because I, um, I'm also a professional napper. I'm trying to be. And so this rainfall, I associate the sound coming off my iPhone with, hey, it's time to uh, take a nap. Here's what the uh, heavy rainfall sounds like. That's pretty good, huh? All right. Okay, we'll let the rainfall be the transition music at the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Send your questions in uh, for the keto-specific show to info at ketoreset.com. And go check out our wonderful new website where we present the Keto Reset Mastery course at ketoreset.com, K-E-T-O, as you know, K-E-T-O-R-E-S-E-T.com. I think you'll love what we have there. Thank you so much for listening to the show. This is your host, Brad Kearns. Until next time. 
Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. It used to be called Primal Calm, and the key ingredient in this formula is called phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress, whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind. We're constantly triggering the fight-or-flight mode in modern life. And when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill. Because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel more energy and have a better workout, but instead this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function, maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy stressful day. This stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage. So I like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients. And you can make that connection between when you're frazzled and overstressed and how your brain doesn't work quite as well. So this is a brain function enhancing, stress hormone reducing, secret weapon, adaptogenic calm. Look for it on primalblueprint.com. 